Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. I'm so glad to be with you today. I love your pastors, Earl and Onika. We have been friends for many, many years. And when they asked me to come, even though I knew I'd get to, that I wouldn't get to see them because they're on a much-deserved break, I'd get to see you and see what God is up to in this part of Dallas, Texas, and in your lives. So are you ready? Yes. We're going to go for it this morning. I'm really glad you came. I want to say, I want to commend you for coming. Sometimes I think about on that great day when Jesus comes back and the kingdom's established, can you imagine what it'll be like for those people who were actually alive in Israel when Jesus was alive and never went to one of his meetings? Can you imagine that? But you come. When you come, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, right? Because they're going to be fed. Well, you came in the middle of the summer on a Sunday morning, and I'm believing that God's going to give you something that's going to feed your life, feed your soul. That's what I'm here for. That's what I believe God has in store for us. So are you ready? Here we go. Pastor Earl and I were talking about uh, what I might share with you this morning. And when he asked me to talk about this concept of, and this is the title of my message, the power of purpose. The power of purpose, understanding your divine assignment in life. And by the way, before we start, I do want to say hello to our Bishop Arts campus, who is streaming live. We, we feel you close, Bishop Arts, so we're glad they're with us as well. Um, but I was excited about this message because in many ways, this concept, the power of purpose, is really my life message. I love it because every human heart at some time in your life you will want to ask the question, why? Why am I here? That is the cry of every human heart. Whether we know Jesus, are believers, or not, every heart at some point will ask the question, why? And the reason we ask why, I firmly believe, is because God, the creator of the universe, wants to give you the answer. He wants you to know why. Now, as believers, we know why we're here in a general sense, we're here to love God, right? And to make him known in the earth. But within that purpose of the kingdom of God, you have a unique purpose, and God wants you to know it. He wants you to have definition, clarity, focus, conviction, confidence, and our purpose is what answers the question why. I believe that he wants us to have a concise, clear, articulate purpose statement, and I've been helping people write their purpose statements for the last 20 years. I love Jesus's purpose statement. You ready to hear it? John 10.10. Let's read this. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the purpose statement of the devil, the enemy. That's his purpose. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's his purpose. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, some translations say. Knowing your purpose will become your guide, your mantra, throughout your entire life. That's what drove him his whole life, his ministry, his three-year, only three-year public ministry, even to death on the cross. Why? That they might have life and life more abundantly. That purpose helped him resist the devil, helped him be on time. There were times when he was in a crowd and they were all looking to stone him, but how did he escape? Because he's living on his purpose. Your purpose has a timeline. Your purpose has meaning. It has clarity. That's the way he was able to turn even to some of his closest friends and say, get thee behind me, Satan. 
That's not God's purpose for my life. Purpose is powerful. And knowing our purpose makes all the difference. Now, the quest for knowing it and understanding it is usually a journey. There were two times as I look back now in my life that this quest, this need to have the clarity was really operating in my life. The first was right about 28, 29 years old. I know we kind of got a young crowd here. A lot of you are in your 20s or 30s perhaps, and, and it wouldn't be unusual for you to start saying as you're moving forward in your career, your life, your personal life, I'm really ready to have greater definition. You know, we start out, I think, sometimes having an idea of what we're going to try and give it, a, give it a go, but then something in our life doesn't go the way we planned. For me, I was going to be like Earl and Onika. I was going to go to Oral Roberts University, where I went, and I was going to meet my husband there. Now, I wasn't going to get an MRS degree, as some say, but I just assumed that it would happen. Grew up a Christian, didn't date much in high school, go to this Christian university, 2,000 men, 2,000 women. There is one for everyone. (laughs) And I really just assumed it would happen. So I graduated from ORU, no husband. Had all my bridesmaids, though, so that was good. But I get out, I start working. After three years working in the employment placement field, I go back to ORU to work there. It was about that time that I met Earl and Onika when they were students. But every year I just kept thinking, well, this is my year. It's going to happen this year. Do you ever have one of those parts of your life? It's not always marriage and family. It might be your job, might be your work, might be things in your family, might be your own journey to wholeness and mental health and, and working through your past. I mean, there's, every one of us is on some sort of a journey, and something in your life will not go the way you think. And that is when, at that time, I went back into counseling. I'd gone to some counseling when I was in school just to work through some wounds in my past. I'm a really big believer that when we can't do it on our own, we need help. And there's nothing to ever, don't ever feel bad or, or apologetic for getting help when you need it. And I needed someone detached from my life that could start weighing in. And so I had done that in college, but I really was feeling helpless in my personal life and went to counseling and discovered that, that I was just needing a greater sense of empowerment. I was feeling powerless. It seemed like there were a lot of things I just couldn't change. But there were some things that I could begin to work on in my career in particular because that was the path God was handing me. And so I started saying, i got to get better sense of purpose. Now, purpose, as I mentioned, will answer the question, Why? Mission, on the other hand, is the what. Your mission is what you will do, and you will have many missions in your life. A mission to be a husband, a wife, a daughter, a friend, maybe take actual missions trips, maybe be an attorney or be a Broadway singer or whatever you want to be. You will have many missions, but the why will stay consistent throughout your life. We, my husband and I, pastor in New York City. We work with a lot of aspiring Broadway people and actresses and actors. And I always love to ask the question, well, why do you want to sing on Broadway? A lot of times it takes them back, right? Because we just, that's what I want to do in life. That's my purpose, to be a Broadway singer. Well, what happens on the way to being a Broadway singer? What if it takes 10 years? Does that mean you can't live your purpose now while you're on the path? So when you get in touch with your purpose, it'll answer the question why. So for me, my personal purpose, and I came to in my late 20s, was I am here to inspire and motivate people to know their purpose and live their dreams. That's what I love to do. Now, very little over now the last 30 years of working professionally. I left ORU after 10 years, went to New York City to work for Deloitte & Touche, big accounting consulting firm in marketing, spent eight years there. 
published my first book 10 years ago, been doing speaking and, and traveling full-time ever since. But in all the years, still go back into corporations now, do purpose workshops, help people write their life purpose statements, about 50% in the corporate world, 50% in churches. And it would take... Uh, half a day probably to do a really good purpose workshop and really get you that definition. It's chapter one in my book, if you're interested, would help you in that process. But I realized that very little in my jobs, any of the jobs I've had, had, had anything to do on my job description with inspiring and motivating people. But see, purpose will give you three gifts, and I want to highlight these gifts that are going to come with purpose. When you get the definition, when you take the time to dive in to write your purpose statement, and then have that definition as a guide. Number one, first, the first gift that you'll get from purpose is that you will get focus. So nothing on my job description had anything to do with inspiring and motivating people. But because purpose is like a GPS, it starts giving you a destination. The destination is inspire and motivate people to know their purpose and live their dreams. Okay, so I'm a marketing person at Deloitte. Most of my days feel pretty boring, unrecognized. I have a chapter in my book. I'm unrecognized, unrewarded, and underpaid. That's the title of the chapter. Anybody relate to that? That's how I felt most of my career. Unrecognized, unrewarded, and underpaid. I'm not ungrateful for it, but that's how life feels most most of the time. Pretty insignificant. Pretty unrewarded. We live in a popular day where everybody posts what they're doing. Most days are not post-worthy, right? I mean, it is pretty mundane. And yet, I started saying, okay, if my purpose is to point me, then I'm going to begin to look for those activities as a marketing person that have something to do with inspiring and motivating people. So there was a big firm-wide initiative on training some of our client teams to go out and get more business how to talk to clients about services that we could sell. And so I thought, I wonder if those sessions might not inspire and motivate people. That's what we're doing. We're getting our professionals more motivated, more inspired. And so I signed up. I said, can I get involved with this program? And my boss said, sure. And so I went to a class, really liked it, got to know the leader, started asking more questions. Before long, found myself leading these teams through these purpose things. They weren't called that. But now I'm feeling a lot more fulfilled, right? Because, see, purpose is your GPS. It'll begin to point you to those projects, people, and opportunities that really align with what you're created to be and do. So purpose becomes your GPS. It brings focus. It'll start directing you on where you need to go. It's also a filter. It helps filter out the things that maybe you're good at but you wouldn't really want to do for the rest of your life. This is a talented group of people in this place. You're going to get asked to do a lot of things. But purpose will help you start filtering it out and be more focused and really hit the mark. That's what we should do. Now, there's seasons of experimenting and trying different things, but purpose becomes your guide. It's a compass. It's a GPS. The second thing that purpose will do, the first is it will help you focus. The second thing is it will enable faithfulness and fortitude. Faithfulness and fortitude. There is so much to be said about being faithful being faithful in the small things, when nobody notices, when nobody sees. I remember the day when my boss came in at ORU and said, Lynette, by the way, you're going to start writing the alumni magazine. We've had to cut out the budget for shipping the magazine out, and you're going to write the alumni magazine. He walks out of my office, and I thought, is he serious? Like, write? 
that I'm not a journalism major. I am in charge of homecoming and alumni events, and I go do parties. And I mean, he does not understand. I do not write. But I would sit in front of my computer and just go, what am I going to say? I don't know what I mean. But I had to be faithful. So I just started writing, and I wrote what I thought, and I wrote what I could, and I didn't know what I was doing. And most of the time, when you're starting down a path, you're going to feel insignificant. You're going to feel unqualified. But we keep moving, right? Well, fast forward probably 12 years later when I was working with John Maxwell's leadership team, and they were just starting their speakers bureau, and they asked me to be one of their speakers. And interesting story, the reason I got connected with their speakers bureau was because I had a student worker at ORU who worked for me, one of Earl's friends. He worked for me, and I had no mentors at the time but wanted to pour into my employees. And so I started doing these team building days and employee evaluations and pouring into taking them out for lunch and mentoring them and giving them what I really so desperately wanted in my career that nobody was giving me. And that young man, that student worker, eventually got his MBA, went to work for John Maxwell, the leadership guru, many of you know him, and they started a speaker's bureau. They were looking for a corporate woman and Reggie raised his hand. He said, I know somebody. And the guy who brought me into the speaker's bureau told me later, he said, if Reggie had not given you a word of exhortation and encouragement, credibility, I would have never given you a chance, Lynette. See, when you're faithful with with the insignificant things you have, God will make a way. I'm taking Reggie out. He's this little student worker. I'm thinking, this means nothing. God knows what it means. And God is setting you up. You are being set up all over this audience, person by person, name by name, story by story. You are being set up by the living God. You are being set up for a promotion, for opportunities, for open doors, if you will be faithful with what God's given you. I didn't know how to do a team building day, but I had a part-time secretary and a couple student workers, and I thought, we need to do a team building day. What's a team building day? I don't know how to do it. Put together a team building day. Didn't know what I was doing. Felt insignificant. Felt unqualified. We did a team building day. Do you know? Well, let me tell you the story then. So I worked with John Maxwell in the speaker's bureau, and they said, Lynette, you really need to write a book. If we're going to get behind you as a, as a speaker, then you need to write a book. And I said, I don't know how to write a book. They said, well, we'll help you find a literary agent. They found me a literary agent. We got a book proposal together. We put it out there. In three weeks, we had a book deal for a women's leadership book. Now, what was I going to put in my book? How to do a team building day, how to do employee evaluations, how to do, I mean, I had content galore that I created in the back little office with no sunshine and no light and a couple volunteers. When I finished writing my book, the editor that they'd given me said, Lynette, I've worked with a lot of writers over the years but you are one of the best writers I've ever worked with. Now, when he told me that, I did not feel, whoa, pride. I wanted to fall on my face and cry and thank God for that day when my boss walked out and said, you're right in the alumni magazine. See, some of you right now, you are being asked to do something that is stretching your comfort zone, pushing you beyond your limits, not what you want, not what you're feeling, but God is up to something great. And if you will stay be and be faithful, and if you will plug in, and if you will just say, God, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I, use me. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be here. The whole time I'm building this career, writing these books, being a speaker, I really still just want to get married. 
right? Isn't that how it goes? Oh, she's got this career. You're this, you're that. Going home, I remember I, I was turning 40, and I had gotten asked to speak at this big Christian business uh, seminar in Hawaii. And it was a real big moment. I, I'd gotten my things together. hadn't published my book yet, but I was wanting to be more of a speaker, and I got this invitation. And so my family went, my parents, my sister and brother-in-law, my little baby niece, and we all show up in Hawaii, and I'm speaking on my 40th birthday. Actually, the day before my 40th birthday, I'm speaking to this crowd, and, and the man who was doing the seminar, he said, you need some resources, Lynette. So I'm scrambling together, doing these little put-together workbooks and all my tools of how to do all this, feeling totally unqualified the whole time I'm doing it. Insecure, inadequate. And I speak for the seminar. We sold out of every one of my materials. My parents are running the machine and like we're doing all this. So that's my last day of being 39. Now I'm turning 40. The next morning I'm in Hawaii. Hey, pretty sweet, huh? Sitting in Hawaii. had just spoken the day before. And I'm sitting out by one of the beautiful waterfalls. And I just start crying. I'm like, man, I'm getting to do all this great stuff. But how will I ever get married and have kids? See, life is this mix, this, this awkward, odd mix. I don't know what you're waiting for, what you've gone through. Maybe you've lost a marriage. Maybe, you've, you, maybe you're disengaged from your children. Maybe you can't get pregnant. Maybe you aren't being, whatever your trial is, I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. And if you will stay focused on your purpose and keep moving forward, God will, God will do some amazing things. And he will give you fortitude and he will help you keep going. When you run into a stop sign, stop, look both ways, and keep moving. Because it's not a dead-end sign. We misinterpret the signs so often, but we keep on moving. Well, lo and behold, when I was living in New York City, 9-11 happened. I should have been in the middle of it. Every day at that time frame, I walked through the World Trade Center, except on the morning of 9-11, when by the sovereign hand of God, I was doing a meeting in Hartford, Connecticut, the only meeting in eight years of working at Deloitte that I could not find space in the World Financial Center to have the meeting. And finally, we just said, we're going to go to Connecticut and have the meeting. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He got me out of that, uh, out of that place by the grace of God. And what I did not know is three days later, a group of pastors would be driving in when most people were driving out. And there was one of those named Ron Lewis, and he looked down at Ground Zero, and he thought, that's my life right now. His marriage of 18 years was, was falling apart. He didn't know if he'd be able to keep his church together, that he'd been pastoring for nearly 20 years. But God led him to New York City, and, and he heard the voice of the Lord say, out of these ashes, I will build a great church. He kept on purpose, kept on path, knowing what he's called to do. And he started the church, and I found the church, and we became friends. And at the age of 42, in a beautiful December wedding on Park Avenue, I finally got the man of my dreams. <laughs> Amazing how God will do it. Here's my word to you. It's never too late, but it may be too early. never too late with God. And so when I married Ron, I have a family picture of ours. I married Ron. He gave me four teenage boys. This is my family now, my sons, their wives. And through a set of miracles, uh, I wanted to have my own children. I had a miscarriage, went through years of infertility, decided I really wanted twin girls and wrote in my journal one year, I'm going to, I'm a double portion woman. I'm going to have twin baby girls. They're going to be named Victoria Joy 
and Isabella Grace because nothing's impossible with God. Moved on, didn't happen, couldn't understand what that vision was from and why I wanted it. And then four and a half years ago in December, I got a call from a friend. She said, Lynette, do you still want twin girls? I said, why are you asking? (laughs) She said, I'm working with a young woman. She was told she's having a boy. She put him up for adoption. She's about to deliver. She's in her ninth month, and she just found out it's twin girls, and I think they're yours. I thought my husband's never going to go for this. (laughs) But he said, let's get our paperwork done as our last step of faith. So we got our paperwork done. And on Christmas Eve, this young woman called and said, you're the family. Can you be ready in three weeks? Because they're coming in three weeks. We said, we'll be ready. And the very next morning on Christmas Day, they were born. Little Victoria Joy and Isabella Grace. They're the little girls on the right and on the left. They're four and a half years old. They are the loves of our lives. So here I am, 52 years at that time, pushing my stroller down down all the streets of New York City, having my hot flashes. Not caring at all, right? Because when you're in God's purpose, you are right on time. I got four-year-old little girls. I've got two grandkids. Those are my two grandkids there in the middle. We take a Disney cruise. We all just all go together, right? The kids, the grandkids, it's all a big mix. Purpose will give you fortitude, and it will give you faithfulness, and it will help you stay the course. It will help us do what Jesus did for the joy that set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, kept us in his forefront. I come that they might have life and life more abundantly. I'll do what it takes, even obedience, even unto death on a cross. I don't know what cross you're bearing, but God will give you fortitude, and your purpose will sustain you, and it will help you be faithful, and it will help you wait. It will help you not compromise. It will help you not settle. I had a lot of blind dates. I had a lot of things that did not work out the way I wanted them to, but it helped me wait. Why? Because I kept saying, i got to have a man who can join in my purpose. People tell me all the time, maybe you're too strong, Lynette. Maybe you need to tone it down a little bit more. No wonder you're not getting married. Guys are going to be intimidated by you. You're out preaching. You're out doing the thing. You hear it all when you're waiting for something that God has for you. But if you'll stay the course and just say, God, I'm answering to you. I'm not answering to men. I'm going to stay the course. He will help you and you will wait. About seven years ago in the summer, our third son, Jordan, was on a summer missions trip to Tanzania, Africa. While there, he had 21 nosebleeds. He came home and was diagnosed with stage 4 sinus cancer, a tumor the size of my fist in the middle of his sinus cavity. I think I have a picture of Jordan. This was when he was out with the man team. He came back from that team, and he said, I felt the most alive I've ever felt while I was in Africa. He began to embark into his, this battle against cancer, beat it the first time, went back to ORU, graduated on time at the love of his life, came home, um, or went, went to work at a bank in finance, was living his dreams. Came back home about a year and a half later, brought Katie, his love, with him. At 8 a.m., he and Ron went to buy the engagement ring, and at 10 a.m., in a routine follow-up exam, was told that the cancer had come back. It came back with a vengeance. They married 30 days later. Katie never left his side, and they fought valiantly. The reason we were all home together that Christmas was because we wanted to be with Jordan, and we wanted to be a family. That's the Christmas that the twins were born. We put together a family video. It's out. It's gone viral four times. It's been seen by over a million people. If you're interested, you can watch it. Google Ron and Lynette Lewis miracle video. It shows us telling our boys that 
they were going to be brothers again to our twins. So Jordan held those little girls every night for the next three and a half months, and we prayed every prayer. We stood on every verse. We believe in healing. But in the mysteries of God, God took our beloved Jordan four and a half years ago. Some of you are living in the tension of loss. How do you live without a child? C.S. Lewis says that the loss of a beloved is like an amputation. You learn to live without your limb, but you never quit wishing you had it back. Yes, the twins are fabulous and they're wonderful, but it's a different category. People say, wasn't it wonderful to get the twins when he lost Jordan? It's not the same. See, some of you right now, you're living in these parallel tracks of maybe your career is just taken off and, and it's succeeding, and yet there's this agony of your soul and you're suffering in some area of your life. I, I've lived so much of my life thinking that it was like a roller coaster, right? You have these high times of happiness and these low times of suffering. But in reality, I've learned that it's more like a two-lane highway where suffering coexists with joy and God oversees all of it. During our time of recovery, we've, we started a mission fund for unreached people groups. When people were sending in flowers, the, Jordan's brothers and Katie just said, why don't we put it towards something Jordan believed in? And so for the last four and a half years, we've been doing something called the Jordan Lewis Missions, where we take the gospel into unreached people groups all over China, in, in some of the most remote parts of the world. And, and it's been extraordinary what God's done through this fund. And it, while it doesn't bring Jordan back, it becomes an offering. An offering to a God who's writing a script that's bigger than what we understand. For his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways. Higher than our ways and his thoughts. Higher than, his, than our thoughts. We have held on to God in the midst of our storm. That's what you do. That's what we do. And purpose helps us prevail and have fortitude. Two and a half years ago... Not long after we had been going through the, the recovery of losing our son, I was going through a routine mammogram and was diagnosed with very early stage breast cancer. Interestingly, on the very same day that I was diagnosed was the day I was chosen to do a TED Talk. Crazy. I mean, I'd been at the doctor all morning, and then we'd go to this event where they announce the people that have been selected. It's this extremely competitive thing that you go through to be chosen and sure enough they announced my name and I'd been saying to the Lord okay God I need you right now this bank account is overdrawn I don't have anything left to fight this thing again and it's just like when I got chosen for the TED talk I felt like God was just saying stay the course Keep your eye on the prize. Do what you're made to do. Do what you're created to do, Lynette. I've created you to do this. This is your purpose in life. And so I did the talk, and I went into surgery four days later. By the grace of God, I'm totally fine. Got through it. God gets the glory. I'm well. I'm not battling it anymore. But life is a journey, and your purpose is what will keep you going and help you find faith and fortitude through it all. God is good, and purpose leads to fulfillment. That's the number three thing. Purpose leads to joy. I'll tell you, a couple months after I married Ron, I woke up one morning, and I thought, so this is it. <laughs> Happily married, got the four kids, all kind of felt the same. <laughs> you know why? Because life 
is pretty much this. Us and Jesus. Us and God. Dreaming our dreams. Doing our work. Having our prayer life. Intimacy with the Lord. That's what it's really all about. And I love being married and I love being a mom. But I most of all love being in love with Jesus. Most of all, I love doing what he's called me to do. That is the joy. Through thick and thin. Through storms. And through sweet moments. There are two sources of power that we get when we know our purpose. And the first is the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever doubt or deny or or question this amazing gift of the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. It will help you be quiet when you need to be quiet at work. It will help you be bold when you're not a naturally bold person. It will help you wait. It will help you advance. It will give you gifts unspeakable. Oh, goodness. I feel like I'm doing no justice to the power of the Holy Spirit in these quick moments. It is a gift beyond words. Why did Jesus say to his followers, go and wait until you're endowed with power from on high? Power to change the world. Power to overcome. Power to survive. Power to thrive. The second is the power of community. Now that is what you're getting by coming to a church like this. The power of community. If you want to know your purpose, get into growth track. Take the tests. Get into that workshop setting. Do life with a group of people who are going somewhere. I could not have made it without the power of community. The power of friends who are believing with me. When I'm wondering, what's wrong with me? Why is this not working for me in marriage and family? I had a group of people who had walked with me. The first song we sang at our wedding when I got at the end of the aisle was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that church was packed, not because I'm popular, but because I decided I was going to do life in community. Community. See, what you're believing for is what I want to believe for if we do life together. And when I'm sick and tired of praying over my same prayer requests. Do you ever get tired of your prayer requests? (laughs) Do you ever just get so burned out on your same old prayer? That's what happens. But man, when you got people praying for you, it's easy for me to get faith for your dreams when I'm sick of praying for my own. I had a group of five women that when they heard that these babies might be coming to Ron and I, they got together on their own and they said, okay, we're going to start praying together every day until this this happens for Ron and Lynette. And I kind of knew that they were maybe texting and doing this thing. They're like, don't you even pay attention to what we're doing. You don't need to worry about it. We got it covered. I call them my midwives. They were pushing those babies right into our hands. They were believing. One of my friends in that midwife group, she would leave me voicemails for, for a number of years, way before the babies came. She'd say, Lynette, this morning I was praying for your twins. I want you to know I heard them laughing. They're coming, Lynette. They're coming. I think to myself, bless her sweetheart. I am moving on. I got to move on. She's not moving on. Thank God she did not move on. She held fast. See, community is where it's at. Community is what will help us define our life purpose, figure out where we're going. Pastor Earl always says, give us a year, right? Give us a year. Stick with us a year. Give us a year, and your year will turn into two years, three years, four years. You will find your purpose in the midst of a community just like this. Thank God for a church like this who will equip you and train you and teach you and give you a growth track and a leadership track and a place where you can plug in. That's how it works. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have made it. My first group that, that got together and started meeting every week, connect group, after we all got out of ORU, these were the guys that just I did life with men and women, and they all got married, of course, before too long, and I was the single one. 
And then when I met Ron, we all went back to Tulsa, and we were having a little brunch, and they all wanted to throw this brunch for me. And, and guy by guy kept coming up to me, and they go, uh, Lynette, you, you know why we're doing this brunch, right? And I was like, why? And they're like, because we're checking this guy out. I mean, we got to see, is he qualified for our Lynette? I mean, we've been standing, we've been praying. This was like 15, 20 years now that they'd been playing. And so then we were having our brunch, and behind me they're all going, That's what doing life in community is all about. 85% of people meet their spouse through friends. That's where you find God's path. That's where you get your business connections. That's where you find your partners for life. That's where you find the people that are going to care for your kids and pray for your sick children and stand with you. Community's where it's at. I could go on and on and give a whole message about community. It's how Jesus did it. It's how we're all supposed to do it. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why we're not just watching online. That's why we believe in coming, putting our seat in the seat and engaging and being part of something that God's doing in the city. So that's why we need to know why. God wants you to know your purpose. I want to pray for you in closing. Can we just bow our heads just right where you're seated? Lord God, as I've been praying for these amazing people in the last few weeks, getting ready for today, I just sense the word transition. In fact, just as our eyes are closed, if you've been feeling like you're really in a season of transition, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray especially for you. You've just been feeling transition, like change is coming, something's changing. Yeah, I saw you in my prayers, especially this morning. Keep your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Lord, right now, every hand that's raised, I pray for these people who are sensing transition. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to declare that they are being promoted in this time of transition. God, this is not a setback, but it's a setup for something amazing. Even some of you in this time of transition, you've been feeling a pruning. It's like God, God's been cutting away some things that you had a sense of security in. The Lord declares that for every pruning place, fruit will be born. Fruit will be born. Fruit is coming. In fact, one year from now, if you were to look at the pruning place, you will be marveling at what God has brought forth. You're branching out. You're not being cut back. You're being cut into something bigger, um, set up for something greater. God is promoting you. He's bringing you new favor. Lord, I ask for a supernatural favor to fall on every person in this room this morning. Supernatural power of the Holy Spirit favor. Favor with your boss. Favor with your friends. Favor with your parents. Favor with your landlord. Favor in every corner of your community where you live. You're going to go from glory to glory and strength to strength. That which has felt like pushing you back is actually being used by the hand of God to compel you forward, to push you and launch you. It's like some of you have been really pushed back in this season, but I see in my spirit right now, like when pulling back a slingshot and getting ready to pull it back, you've been pushed back, pushed back. There's tension, there's frustration, there's agony, and God's getting ready to lease you out and release you into something brand new. Now, Lord, we say yes and amen to that word. And we say, let it be, God, on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, church. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we'd love to know you, meet you, and hear your story. So be sure to email your information to info at shorelinecity.church so we can get you the tools you need to grow in Christ and impact this world. Love you, church.